Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah, they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. You don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I'd like to stay alive for six days. I'd say it to you, Pace, not say it to you now. I'm down to Anfield, and we'll see them, won't we? What you doing down here, you shawnee man? So many camera angles all telling the same story about Fabinho's horror tackle on Evan Ferguson yesterday. There's the initial scrunching up of Fabinho's face as he realises... I'm getting a red card off now. The shots of <laughs> Fabinho then forlornly walking around, just waiting to be put out of his misery. The image of Jordan Henderson, a shocked-looking Jordan Henderson, trying to comfort his soon-to-be-sent-off teammate while apparently apologising to some of the Brighton players on his behalf. And, of course the image of Ferguson himself hobbling away from the pitch to find the nearest pair of crutches to help him on his journey home for the evening. Come on now, Stockley Park. This wasn't a difficult one. You didn't even need to see footage of the tackle itself to see clearly what had gone down. Welcome to Monday Second Captain's Football Podcast. Hey, guys. Hey, on How's it oh, going? Oh, it's not going too well, really. I mean, all the commentary around Evan Ferguson so far has suggested he's got a good head in his shoulders. We know we're already well aware of his technical and physical abilities. There's, there's nothing really that can stop this kid unless the vagaries of football take over and he gets, you know, injured or something like that, which has befallen him very early in his career. Hopefully it's not too serious at the time of recording. Uh, we haven't heard any 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 more other than he went off, on, having initially walked off, which looked vaguely, did it look promising? The commentators like, well, at least he's able to walk off. But I, th- I think players sometimes, it wasn't so much a walk, really. He, he trudged, he limped off, he hobbled off. He was being off. helped off, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, eventually got himself his, his crutches and that's that's the last we heard from yesterday but really why it was a sickener wasn't it I mean it was it was just horrific yeah. you know I mean okay we don't know how long he's going to be injured for it doesn't take a long injury though to rule him out of the France game you know if he was if he was out for six weeks with an ankle problem then he's unlikely to play against France I mean that, that matches the 27th of March so you know that's uh, that's kind of unfortunate for Ireland, I would say. Well, Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> pa- Patrick Holmes ma- managed to throw Kansas City into the Super Bowl yesterday, despite having a apparently quite serious ankle injury. So I would suggest that if, <laughs> that if uh, if Evan Ferguson had a wrist injury, yeah. the outlook for the France game wouldn't be quite so 
bad, but you know, it's yes. a bit different when you're if a you had, if you'd watched Patrick Mahomes uh, last night. Uh, Yes, doing unbelievable things, but making one run in the entire game. The one run that ended up winning the game. Mm-hmm. He made one run, though, and he was hobbling around for the rest of it. So I fear if this is the high ankle strain we were talking to US Murph about last week, yeah. Evan Ferguson could be it's, in trouble. It's never great when there's a hush around the stadium and the commentators are saying the most important thing now is the welfare of the player. Mm. Were, we talking, were we talking about the high ankle strain? That's exactly what it looks like. High ankle sprain. Is that, sprain. Is that, is that, that's yeah. what they call it in America. But they don't normally call it. I, US Murphy was talking to us about this last week. And we were saying that's not that commonly talked about over here. Well, it's basically, you know the way, we, you know the way your ankle usually twists? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's when it goes the other way, which is what happened to Evan Ferguson's foot. Like, I mean, he caught him from behind and the Achilles and the, the ankle rolled in that direction. And the strain is on the other side, on like the inside of the leg, sort of above the yeah. ankle. And... Take from me, Owen. It's not great. Oh, sorry. This is—is is this the one that's bothered you over the years? I've I've had it, and it's not good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Recurrent, though, haven't you had? A, don't you something? Like uh, oh no, we don't. We don't turn this. I could. I could sit here talking <laughs> about my ankles, and then let's just say I think people will be interested. Well past Premier League condition. <laughs> mm, that's but um, the big question about all this, obviously, aside from Evan Ferguson, how, how did Fabinho not not get sent off? For well, because I mean, are you not entertained? Uh, no. 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 I that, thought you liked this. That didn't entertain me. But this is what you said you wanted, Owen. I said I wanted it. You said you wanted more uh, action. Do you want to just, print, did, when, just print out McDevitt's receipt? Am I Howard Webb? Print out the receipt there for Owen. Yeah. You, you, were, you were one of the fans that Howard Webb is listening to, clamoring for more action, more thrills, more spills. More flow. Yeah. More high flow, angle. Flow and spring. spills, especially if the subject that's flowing and spilling is blood. I don't mind it, players getting injured, Ken, as long as it's not Irish lads. <laughs> Uh, just, yeah. It just hits a little different, this Particularly one. Particularly Evan Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest about it. just didn't want Evan Ferguson getting injured, and now it's happened. And now I, I agree with everything you've said up until this point about how well, nonsensical I mean, this directive well, has been this season. Yeah, well, VAR, VAR is just for offsides now. We can, we can all say that now. VAR is just for offsides. Well, this is what, the, Webb, this yeah. is what Webb has basically done, you know? This is yeah. like his big innovation is people hate VAR, so let's just not use it, yeah. except randomly. Yeah, well, no, it's just for offside now. I mean, uh, like if if it's a, if there's a clear cut penalty decision that the referee uh, hasn't hasn't given, now it's just it doesn't matter. You know, it, we're just not going to give it, yeah. uh, and it's the same now with red cards. I mean, that is so obvious. And I mean, oh, there like, have been some reactions here on this island, which have veered into the slightly you know over the top. I think so. How when do you it mean, comes to the Ferguson. over the ball, which what kind of reactions? Well, I mean, I just I, I, there's a certain level beyond which it just. It seems a little hysterical. Okay, like it's, a, it's, a, it's a spectacularly bad tackle. There are bad tackles in the Premier League and, you know, in English football all the time. So, I mean, okay, it's Fabinho, very bad tackle. VAR should have in, uh, intervened. Yes, that's fine. But, I mean... I don't know who you're critiquing here, though. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking well, about. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm just, you sound I'm, like I'm, Ron Manager. No, I'm just... I'm, I'm on Twitter with people saying, you know, 18 hours later, and I've watched it back again. It's the worst tackle I've ever seen. It's so disgraceful. It's so awful. He should be thrown out of the game. Well, you should stop following me then, <laughs> But anyway, back to VAR. I mean, it doesn't matter how bad... I mean, this is a very good example of it doesn't matter how bad the tackle is. If the referee has made a decision, VAR isn't going to overturn it. Well, we're a team, aren't we? The, the referee and the assistant referee. We're a team. And our job is to protect each other. And that's what they do now, you know. <laughs> they're, they're like, um, I, I mean, it's, you know, so, okay, the referee can miss it. That, that Those things happen. And then in the, then the bar is supposed to say, actually, you know, I think. But Howard Webb has made it very clear that 
that the VAR is, VAR is only to do that when it's a clear and obvious error. Mm. In other words, every time the VAR uh, says something about the game, it's, it's basically like pointing a massive finger at the referee and saying, you're incompetent. You've, you've, you've failed again. Once again, mm. you've made a major mistake. And, it's, and I, actually, ironically enough, it's forcing these guys to be whistleblowers. Yeah, we're right. not we're not helping <laughs> in the business sense as opposed to the referee it's forcing whistler, these, these yeah. referee guys to to actually be whistleblowers, yeah. right? Which is and to go against and to and to point to the the failures of their their colleagues to blow the whistle on their fellow whistleblowers to blow the whistle on the ref. And Harold Webb, he's a former policeman. Let's just say there aren't many cervicals in Stuckley Bar. That's what you're saying. <laughs> well, look, it's important to preserve the reputation of the institution. It means it, it's bigger. Yeah. It's bigger than any one game or any one incident, mm, yeah. right? You know what I mean? The re- referees, people have to respect referees. That's an important part of it. And, and ultimately, are they going to respect the referee of every two seconds? What's supposed to be the referee's pal? His buddy, his you know, his his colleague, is actually pointing at him and saying, "You made another mistake, mate." Mm. I mean, it's undermining of the referee, and so that's why Howard Webb doesn't want that. Yeah, and if it's any consolation, after you've made the mistake, then that mistake is going to be repeated tons of times for people to look at your mistake and then view it, judge it in real time. We don't want to put you through that. Well, look at the end of the day, right? HR, HR will be all over us. If we start judging our, if we keep calling in the, the, the adjudicators in to judge and ridicule your fellow employees, yeah. it's can't a, have that. I, th- I think what you've, you've got like a total, a separation of response. Like Howard Webb talked about, this is like last month when he, he kind of took over as the new um, boss of refereeing. Um, the boss of I am the boss of all. I am the boss of all. He said we want the VAR. Remember this? This struck me at the time. This phrase: we want them just to look for those errors that jump off the screen at you. That's one of the things that he said. Yeah, yeah, Which exactly. Happened. It has to be really like the referee has falsified evidence everywhere. He's planted all this fake evidence. <laughs> you know, something like that. I don't know what it would take to cross that. Yeah, the Rubicon. You know, but this is Web. Web is just like so. What we want is is everybody to basically agree. That's fine. You know, the, the, but the, but the basic of his logic. When I heard uh, initially, I was thinking when he first came in and said all this. Part of me was thinking, well, yeah, okay. At least that sounds like on paper you're going to get less interference. Now you get less interference by just not having fire in the first place. But that ship appears to have sailed. Indeed, oh, <laughs> I, think, I think you've made a salient point there. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and really, you would have in many respects the same system, <laughs> but, but just a lot less complicated and a lot less embarrassing for everybody yeah. if it was simply. Just let the referee decide, because that's actually what we're going to do now anyway, mm. even in the case where, you, where you've got this footage of this atrocity that's been committed. But I hadn't figured that the, the high bar, as it seems to have happened now, is what you're suggesting, would then lead to more embarrassment for the referee were anything to be overturned. So well, effectively almost nothing then gets overturned. Is, is it embarrassment for the referee? Because, I mean, yesterday the referee, David Coote, decided it was a yellow card. And the uh, video referee, Neil Swarbrick, I mean, it doesn't really matter what the names of these people are, but uh, he he decided, yeah, that's that sounds that's about right. I I'll go with We've that. We've got a disgraceful butchering on uh, <laughs> Brighton number twenty six or whatever. So, Yellow card. So whose fault is that? You know, I mean, as, as, as Howard Webb says, it's all sorry. it's all subjective. You know, it's all subjective. I mean, it would seem right. to be a tackle from behind that endangered the safety of an opponent, and in fact, did was a tackle from behind which did 
yeah. endangered the safety of an opponent. That is a red card in the in the rules of the mm. game or whatever. But you know, I mean, again, English common law, isn't it? Mm. You know, you've got to. Uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes the the bobby on the street has to has to use his noggin. Tell you two words that aren't in the in the football rule book, Ken. What? Napoleonic code. Common sense. Oh, common sense. You just got to apply common sense, you know? Can he walk off the field? Ah, nearly. You know, he can nearly walk off the field. He's probably all right. Yeah. That was, it was a disaster. I mean, people, I mean, who was it on emailed into us? Someone. Oh, this is the email you referred to in our other show today. Oh, you referred briefly. We can read it out now. Is it Owen Doherty's one? Yeah, I mean, you don't need to read out the whole thing. I mean, just, just, uh, he, he, uh, he complains about uh, me whinging about uh, Nick Pope braining uh, Musa Gineppo in the Carabao mm-hmm. Cup. And, and basically, it was Don Goodman saying, why is he, this is unbelievable. He's unfortunate to have given away a free kick, which it turned out he hadn't. Although Don Goodman, like me, had assumed he had at least given away a free kick. Yes. Owen describes this as pearl clutching on your behalf. Pearl clutching. Um, <clears throat> he seemed, had no, when Owen challenged on him on it, Ken had no answers to the points raised and seemed slightly miffed to be challenged on it. Well, that sounds about right. I, 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 so far, I can't I, remember I, if that was the case, but I do. I just like I like that line quite a lot. Actually, it was the same with the strike tackle on Elliot last season. That's one where Harvey Elliot had um, yes. uh, broken leg. Uh, Ken basically said this was a natural consequence of let it flow, and we'd be seeing a lot more of these injuries. He had an entire season later, and what we actually seen in terms of crazy challenges or bone shattering injuries. Maybe Matt Doherty last season for a mighty cash tackle. But what else? This was obviously before... Unfortunate timing. Owen Doherty's email landed in on the 26th of January, a couple of days before the incident we saw yesterday involving Evan The great hope of Irish football stricken. Uh, Also Ericsson. You know, don't forget Christian Ericsson, who... Did you see what happened to him with Andy Carroll? Yes. Andy Carroll was running around at Old Trafford wearing what I think must be the biggest shirt ever to be worn in the FA Cup. <laughs> I'm just like, how big is that shirt that he has on? <laughs> I can't believe the size of the man. Like, and he's, and he, obviously he was, he was hardly able to get near the ball at all. One of the times he did, he kind of took a heavy touch. Ericsson nips in front of him. So what does Carroll do? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you've taken a heavy touch. Uh, th- there's, there's, a, there's a guy there. You chase it, don't you? You go for it. And uh, he went straight through the back of Ericsson. Ericsson's off, uh, off the pitch, injured. Uh, the ref helps Carroll up, you know, <laughs> good lad. And that's it. There's no booking. There's no booking for that. Ericsson's, I don't know how long Ericsson's going to be out for. Hopefully not too long because he's been playing pretty well. Um, but the game flows on in his absence. Uh, Carroll did eventually get sent off for his second booking. And it was, the, the, did you see the, the actual red card that he got? No. I can't remember which United player it was, but like, Carroll. It was a late one. It was just, he was, he mistimed it, you know. I got there as quickly as I could, ref. <laughs> did he slip or something? And he was sliding across the, 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 the grass yeah. for so long with this like unstoppable momentum. You know, like a truck has fallen on its side and is like sliding along the road. He is sliding along and, and he actually goes through, you know, the whole Fabinho, oh no, that, mm. that face that he puts on. He actually puts, he assumes that <laughs> as he's sliding into the, into the tackle. Like it was just, and the ref, okay, gives him, a, it wasn't even particularly forceful. Um, that one, that was a yellow card. But like the, the Ericsson one was dangerous and they're just ignoring these kinds of things. And when you do, like the, like the Elliot one he mentioned, there was another tackle from behind. It's dangerous. So what would you say to Owen Darty here? I'm saying, I mean, I hope, I hope you're from France because it was a good day for you in the weekend. You know, I mean, this, um, the, you know, it's a, it's a massive 
if if he misses that game, I mean, again, okay, hopefully he's it's just a mm. minor thing. He's, he's not that badly hurt. But like that's you don't, you don't escape from a disgust, uh, disgusting butchering though, a disgraceful butchering. Mm. You know, um, I, I I mean I don't see how allowing these things or encouraging them, and they're they're allowing them. Fabinho yellow card, you know the Carol, uh, yeah that's that looks fine to me. Go on, son. You know you've barely had a kick to be fair, and th- so they're they're letting these things things happen, and it does lead to injuries. I mean that's all I'm saying, and that's not good. Like we want you don't want you don't want players like Ericsson or Ferguson to be just not able to play because clumsy players have taken them out from behind because you're allowed to do that now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Michael Coyle also emails in and Okan spoke months ago about Chelsea owner Todd Bowley suggesting certain ideas and traditions from US sports could be adapted and brought to the Premier League. The All-Star game was discussed. As I watch the NFL Conference Championship games, I get my annual reminder that trophies get presented to NFL franchise owners after a victory. Not the coaches who planned it, not the players who earned it, but the team's owner. Got me thinking maybe this is something that could, Todd could attempt to introduce to English football. My next thought, naturally, was what would Ken Early make of such a proposal? Apologies if this was addressed before. I've only been a World Service member since August. Well, that's no problem. Welcome aboard. Mm-hmm. Anytime you sign up is a is, is a, a good time. time. Todd Bowley, owners on the pitch. Mm. Well, I mean, I think it seems like quite a natural idea, uh, although not one that you can make much money from. Would mm-hmm. Todd have to come over for that? Yeah, he, he has been at <laughs> he has been at some games. To be fair, um, I, I don't know how long Todd Bowley's going to be the owner of Chelsea for. I I think this might be. I think he's there for a good time rather than a long time. You know the the way that they're going at the moment. I don't really understand how this is going to pan out. Well, it's nothing but good news. They're going to sign Enzo Fernandez now for um, 120 million euro. I know. Uh, this, this is again. You're like, like, I don't understand this. So that would that would take them to 300 million spent in January. <laughs> no, no one's ever done anything like that before. You know, you've had like Saudi Arabia, and you've had. Yeah, when when Michelangelo was painting the Sistine Chapel, do you think people were tutting disapprovingly that no one had ever done anything like this before? I mean, where's <laughs> yeah. your ambition? This is Bowley's Sistine Chapel, is it? Yeah, this, yeah, that's what he's building right now. We're 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 in the all we're seeing at the moment is just Todd Bowley up on a load of scaffolding, and it's like he's gone nearly blind because he's like six inches from the the roof, and we can't see it yet. Ken is over there. He's like, what? The, just get a lad. I I know a lad who can get that that roof painted in two days flat. 
In, out, mm. bingo, bango, cash job, forget about it. But Bully sees it differently, Ken. Yeah. And the sooner you're on that scaffold with him, the better. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to seeing what it is that he sees differently from everyone else who's ever done this. <laughs> but, you know, there could be... There could be something, or he may end up selling the club on, flipping it quite quickly. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll look, who knows. But uh, the big news today, Owen, Mm -hmm. uh, transfer window-wise, is Joao Cancelo is joining Bayern? What? This is the the news today reported by uh, David Ornstein uh, a couple of hours ago that uh, City have... Sanctioned a loan, uh, a loan with option to buy deal, for Cancelo to join Bayern, and maybe join in the summer for seventy million euros, um, which I assume will be a cash deal rather than yeah. the player deal that they did with Juventus to actually get Cancelo. Um, so you're basically you're giving away Jao Cancelo for no money right now in the middle of a title race. Um, well, you're giving him away on the understanding that you're probably going to get seventy million for him. Um, hmm. Why but, not just wait and get seventy million for him in the summertime? I don't know. When you're if, in the middle of a title race, I mean, City certainly it seems don't, completely mental. It's it, City definitely don't need don't need to worry too much about the financial. I mean, City, if you look at them, have have you know have, have made a big profit this season from hmm. transfers, um, and you know, money has never really been one of the major things that they're worried about. This is Guardiola getting rid of one of his main players. Like one yeah. of his top players who, you know, in the team over the last two seasons has been one of the best players in the league. I was going to say, arguably their best player last year. Certainly the Man City player I felt last season who was purred over the most by, not poured, as in purred like purred, a cat. Yeah, like yeah. a cat. Yeah, no, I got um, Or instead of feline. Did he win yeah, player of the year last uh, season? By, by analysts, more, more so than any other player. His underlapping runs, his... Sure, even you talked about how frustrating it must have been for Jack Grealish to... Get the ball, turn back, and give, give it to Zhao there. Some, man. Yeah, I suppose they have had Rico Lewis emerge, which helps their fullback options. Yeah, but sure Rico, gotta, yeah, no, it's it true. Too. And I mean, people are saying, "Well, we've got Rico Lewis." Like, well, Rico Lewis is like eighteen. He's he's played it what, like ten very games. Good, he looks pretty good, but and very yeah. comfortable in the old Pep Guardiola drop into the middle, play a bit of football in there, as opposed to your old school. It, I mean, overlapping is he is he like Cancelo? I mean. You know, I don't, I don't know. He's not going to be as good as Cancelo for a, a couple of years, I imagine. But what what's really interesting about this is, I mean, there are, there are a few things about it. Number one, who would have thought six months ago that Guardiola would sell both Cancelo and Zinchenko? <laughs> That's not good. Like, there's no way that was a plan, mm. right? There's no there's no way that this was like, okay, you know, we'll first of all we'll phase out Zinchenko, then phase out Cancelo, then three question marks is point three. You know, that's that that was not. <laughs> this is not a carefully laid plan. When he sold Zinchenko, it was because he kind of assumed he had Cancelo. And, you know, they've got some other options, like Nathan Ake, um, uh, Sergio Gomez. Obviously, you mentioned Lewis. Uh, they can jig around with formations. I mean, Phil Foden even has played as a left wing back for City this season. Um, and if you look at their last couple of games, they've been using sort of three at the back systems. And maybe this is the way that he wants to go. Um but Cancelo's form has has kind of fallen off. He was uh, dropped by Portugal as well in the World Cup, wasn't he? Yeah, he ended up on yeah. the bench um, against Morocco. I was just checking it here. Actually, yeah, he um, 
He was dropped for the the Morocco quarterfinal. Yeah. Um, and so he, okay, so he hasn't really been playing well. And then you had this whole episode of Guardiola saying, you know, we're not hungry. We're, you know, we're, we've we've got a problem. Uh, we, we've lost this fire that we used to have. And now he bombs out one of his his mm. main his main guys. I can't believe it. I, it's a, it's it's a it's a stunner. Even if he hasn't been playing particularly well this season, that just the fall from grace in Guardiola's the fall. F- to that level of uh, you know, that that far down in Guardiola's good books seems extremely fast. Yeah, well, it, it it hints massively at a huge personal falling out between the two, doesn't it? Well, it, it yeah, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, there's a few things that have happened at City. Obviously, number one, they've signed uh, Erling Haaland, and this is a different type of game now that they have to play, right? I mean, because Cancelo emerged as uh, kind of the main playmaker almost in this previous strikerless, you know, mm-hmm. so-called striker. There's a, there was always someone kind of playing false time, but they didn't have a Holland type. And this was the kind of team in which he really excelled. And maybe now with Holland there, things are a little bit different and, he, you know, it hasn't been so good for him. He also, I mean, the last time I saw him was, was it the United game? Is he playing on the right in that game? Yeah. Um, which he didn't look as as good in that position. But what what I what I think about it is that you could say, okay, is there a personal problem between Guardiola and Cancelo? Probably, but I doubt that there was ever a very close personal relationship with them to begin with. What there is is Guardiola saying to his team, "I will get rid of any of you. Mm. I will get I will get rid of you. Like I'm, you know, I don't care. You know, people are like, oh, you know, what are you going to do now? You don't have Cancelo. It doesn't matter. We'll fi- I'll find someone else. You'll be gone." And the same goes for every single one of you. And it's quite interesting that he has this approach because he's not a guy who, like I was saying, I don't think he runs his teams on the basis of my players all love me and think I'm a good guy, right? <laughs> it's, not how he, it's not how he does it. Um, and I think players sometimes can struggle a little bit personally with that uh, over time, especially with like this guy, he never stops. It's like always the same. And does he ever have a fucking day off? You know, that kind of thing that sort of seeps in. Um, but Guardiola is always trying to stay ahead of this kind of staleness. I think it's if you contrast the the, um, the situation at Liverpool at the moment, it's, it's an instructive contrast because, uh, you know, if Liverpool have a problem, it's that like too many of their guys from you know their their sort of great team that they've had are kind of still there unlike the biggest contracts they've ever had you know kind of beyond the point at which they're still really top players and he's kind of been quite patient you know players like Jordan Henderson or, or Fabinho for instance Fabinho's been playing badly for a while he's still there Liverpool fans will argue that he has to be more patient because he doesn't quite have the financial resources yeah uh, yeah there is that although the, you know the financial resource thing like I mean you, you saw Liverpool losing to Brighton on on the weekend right and and at the moment there's a lot of FSG and we need investment and loads of the fans are screaming we, ha- we want Qatar bring us bring us the Emir of Qatar you know um the entire Brighton set of players that played against Liverpool, 15 players, cost less than, considerably less than Darwin Nunez, who sat on the bench for, for most of the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you, you know, it's not simply about, oh, we don't have the money to put together a good team. Brighton have done it with a lot less money than that. In fact, Brighton have, have sold a team who would also get into the current Liverpool team. You know what I mean? Or, or Caicedo, who, who they haven't sold yet, didn't play in the game. Enoch Mwepu, who they, who they signed last season, has had to retire 
and then they've sold all these players. Bissouma, you know, who else? The, the Trossard has gone. Obviously, the manager mm. went to Chelsea, and they keep regenerating. Matoma like alone is uh, Matoma is unbelievable. A, a tough one for probably all the other owners to stomach. That's oh, it turns out you can get a player that good without spending for it. Well, he's absolutely brilliant. Like the goal that he scored Amazing. was sensational. You hardly ever see a player flick it up past another player with the same and then movement. finish with the same and then yeah, with the finish with the same foot. Normally, you're flicking it onto the opposite foot. Of course, yeah. he's got. A, of course, he did do a thesis on dribbling in, in college. Yeah. Yeah, I did you saw. did you yawn when I gave that point? It's just you've heard it too often. Before. No, no, I, I had heard it. On, I've read a little bit of the thesis. Oh, I heard the thesis. That, yeah, he didn't want to play professional football. No, I haven't. It's so a he, reflex action. For so me. he went Someone to college and he did a thesis, thesis on dribbling. I haven't. Yeah. I haven't read. The, I haven't read the the thesis, and I would like to. I would like to read it. Uh, it's not great. <sighs> I would, I would like to. <laughs> but I did. I have read some. Uh, I have read some stuff about it, um, in which he. Or, or read some sort of the, the general pointers. And it seems as though Matoma studied the art of dribbling. Mm. And he realized that what is very important with the art of dribbling is, first of all, to make your opponent shift his weight the wrong way and then to change your own pace. Sure, Karincha could have told you that 60 years ago. Mm. I thought that, Owen. <laughs> I, I thought this, this actually sounds fairly obvious. Yeah. But again, I haven't read the thesis itself. Yeah. And you know the the, the headline th- findings don't scream. Well, the, thi- well, the thing know, that was interesting, okay, was was say for instance the fact that he he basically filmed himself using a GoPro. Um, so he he wore a GoPro on his head and kind of uh, did lots of dribbling with this and tried to then basically sat and like analyzed all this footage to see how the defender would move in response to certain movements he would make and you know kind of it did it in a kind of systematic way. Yeah. Um, and obviously he seems to have I mean the other thing is that he's unbelievably quick you know this is another thing apparently he learned in university <laughs> no seriously <laughs> in university he was like I need to study how to become a better sprinter which he did and mm. he's like yeah you, you can actually do this so maybe it's something people people need to do now or whatever anyway it's really worked out for Matoma but, but how much was Matoma he was like 5 million euros you know would he get in Liverpool's team yes I mean, they just signed Gakpo. You know, Gakpo mm. is kind of... I feel like, to be fair to, like, the top five or six clubs, like, if Liverpool are interested in Matoma whenever mm. they signed him, automatically it's, well, 20 million. Yeah. You know, that, like, for all of this talk of, you know, clubs build, you know, clubs can build these uh, teams without spending a whole pile of money. I mean, it's just the, the, the very nature of who... You know, you can't go in and blind bid on these players. You know, yeah, the, yeah, like, yeah. the player is worth what the... The club trying to buy him off. preferred to pay, yeah, yeah. And if Liverpool are are in, or Man United are in, or City, Chelsea, any of these teams, then the price is automatically just going to go through. Yeah, may, maybe, but but you know, at the same time, like what what I'm trying to illustrate here is that you can the the issue with finding good players is not just having enough money to buy mm. them, having the confidence to say, look, this guy he plays for like Kawasaki or whatever the team was that the Matoma was with. But like, I think he could be good. I mean, he they sent him on loan as well, yeah. Uh, and he kind of showed, yeah, I'm 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 up to this. Um, the problem uh, is for a team like Liverpool is actually getting in that team. You know, they signed Minamino, for instance, from Salzburg, and basically didn't use him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Was he as good as Mitoma? Um, apparently not. You know, based on the he doesn't seem to have the kind of speed. 
um, he wasn't able to make the difference. But maybe in a team like Brighton, he would have been able to get in. But the point is, that a lot of the time, what's blocking you at a team like Liverpool is, is actually the reputations of a player like, say, Fabinho or whatever. You see what's happened recently is that Bajcetic has come into the team like this 18-year-old um, because Fabinho's been so, sort of so bad, but it took quite a long time. Now, it seems to me like that, that Liverpool and Klopp have waded with these players to the point at which it's all crashing down. What Guardiola is doing is booting out mm. a player who, still, he's 28. Like Cancelo has, has clearly got a couple of seasons left, potentially being among the very best players in the world, at least, right? Physically speaking. But Guardiola is saying, no, I don't think it's, I actually don't think it's going to happen with this guy. And even though it might hurt the team a little bit in the short term, it, getting rid of this guy gives us the opportunity to, to develop a, a new solution to that area. And obviously the risk is, your new solution isn't as good. And everyone ends up missing Cancelo. And go, why did we do that? That was mad. And especially when we just sold Zinchenko. That's crazy. Zinchenko's winning the league. Mm. This is crazy. What have you done? And, you know, but Guardiola, I I think his his attitude to it is this decay and decline is is coming. It's in the post either way. And I I can either wait for it to happen. I can either wait for it to, to have all collapsed around me and then try to rebuild. Or I can just, you know, go for it and say, okay, Permanent revolution. I'm not happy with it. And he has, in fairness, he's been pretty open about this. He said, I'm not happy with this team. I'm not happy with the attitude. You know, people here don't really seem that focused anymore. And now he's gone, bang, you're gone. And we'll see uh, if that has a, if it sends a jolt through the other players. But it's a more active approach than, um, than, old, uh, than Liverpool have been Some taking. breaking news before we round out today, Sean. That is that the Premier League welcomes back a former guest on the players' chair mm-hmm. here on the Second Captain's World Service, Sean Dyche. Okay. Dyche. He, he is officially unveiled as Everton's manager, judging by the tweets we're seeing coming in over the last couple of minutes. Well, that's, uh, that's as expected, I think. I mean, there had there had been the news that Marcelo Bielsa had actually come to Everton and he said, look, I'll specify a giant salary and said that he would, he would um, take the under-21s until the end of the season and then take over but Everton decided that their priority was to stay in the Premier League rather than to have the world's highest paid under 21 manager (laughs) so they have appointed Sean Dyche who's obviously it's a different vision from what Marcelo Bielsa was offering Um, is it a better vision no I mean not is it a better vision for Everton currently right now does he have a better chance of getting his team to play the way he does than Marcelo Bielsa would have done of getting Everton play the way he would want them to play yes he does well that's probably it though isn't it I know every club is accused of short termism and it has perhaps hindered Everton in the last few seasons but at the same time they've got to be short term now they just have to get out of the relegation zone try and stay in the Premier League and then whatever happens from then on I mean Teich in fairness has has got a pretty good record of long termism you know in in the sense I know that I know what you're saying is they're, they're kind of making an appointment of a guy who seems like he knows how to not get a team relegated from the Premier League. That's that's what they're betting on, mm. and that's what they want. And then after that, well, maybe is Sean Dyche necessarily the man you want to shape the vision? But but what Sean Dyche does have is a record of having been for many years at, at one club, who he which he built up. I mean, similar to the, the Everton's last really successful manager, David Moyes. You know, he kind of was the David Moyes of Burnley, I suppose. Um, you know, as to what he's going to do. I mean, got Tarkovsky in there. He's got. He's. They've. They've sold. Um, little Anthony Gordon. Anthony Gordon. So they. They eventually took forty-five million from um, Newcastle for that, and now 
Sean Dyche has one day to. I think he's got one day to I, find a find a use for that forty five million. I was looking at the photos of Anthony Gordon, right, and uh, he, his unveiling, and it was just. I know you have to do it, but they they kind of roaring into the camera. Mm. But he looked like the happiest man in the world. There wasn't a hit of, he doesn't. I'm not looking for Luis Figo signing for Real Madrid and looking like he's in a hostage video mm. necessarily. But maybe there could be just somewhere in the back of your mind. I don't want to piss the Everton fans off too much here, so I'll just. Smile. Uh, no, Everton, he was like, I am out of that place. I'm, I'm sure there are some Everton fans who are sad to see him go, but there was also quite a lot of them who thought that he wasn't fit to wear the shirt. Yeah, he was confronted, wasn't he? he was. I don't think a video ever emerged of that, but the, no, there was, a, there, there was there was a video. video. Well, I mean, I believe it was Anthony Gordon in the car, and I think yeah. I saw a, a, oh, yeah. so a flash of his blonde It, it wasn't hair. as hilarious as big Yerry Mina standing he didn't, there. He didn't get out and reason with looking the at, Look at all these tiny scousers. Yerry, Yerry Mina's a big man, you yeah. know? He, he yeah. reckoned he could get out and reason, reason with the fans. <laughs> Anthony Gordon thought it was better to just put the foot down and get out of there, which I can also, I can also appreciate. But, yeah, but sorry, Dice, do you think he's, he'll keep them up? That's the question. I mean, the one thing that you'd say is that there are a lot of teams in the Premier League at the moment that could get relegated. I think it's eight teams, or maybe maybe it's just seven. Let me just have a quick uh, look. Yeah, there are there are seven teams on 18 points or below. So between 18 and 15, 18 down to 15 points. Leicester, Leeds, West Ham, Wolves. Early declares Nottingham Forest free of relegation trouble. No, I'm not saying they're free of relegation trouble. I'm just saying they are... They're not in this actual bunch, right? I mean, they're kind of they're, they're, then there's Less a, than twenty six points. points up to Crystal Palace, who you don't see getting relegated at this point. Mm-hmm. But Forest twenty one, Leicester eighteen, Leeds eighteen, West Ham eighteen, Wolves, Bournemouth seventeen, Everton and Southampton fifteen. Now, I think Bournemouth are going to get relegated, and I don't think Wolves are. I don't think West Ham are. So I think Everton have big problems. I think Everton are probably probably going to get relegated this season, but you can see that like one literally one win would be enough to lift them out of the relegation zone. <laughs> <laughs> I think Dyche can deliver a win. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. To he can. I mean, and he's got obviously McNeil. Maybe he can get McNeil playing the way that he was. Oh, he's got he's McNeil as well. Yeah, yeah, as well as Tarkovsky. Well, Listen, McNeil wasn't amazing for Burnley either. Yeah. Though, let's be fair. Just, I thought he that was flattered to deceive. I think. Look at his stats. Doesn't, he's not. Well, he's at least not he flattered. A, you know, he's not a goal and a, a goal and assist man. Interesting that Dyche. I think Dyche fancies himself as more than the what his reputation is. Yeah. And if if he if he was in he was always well aware he was at Burnley, he was at a tiny club. To get them to where they got to and to keep them there, he had to play a certain style of football. Mm. That, was, that was that was what he always felt. But if he was managing another team, it could be a different thing. The problem is, in another scenario, maybe yeah, Everton is that other team. But right now he can't really think like that because they're, they're, he's just going to have to batten down the hatches. Well, look, and if, do what needs to be done. If if they manage to not get relegated, it would obviously be a, a huge triumph yeah. for Sean Dyche. Listen, um, if it comes down to a, a straight scrap between Coach Marsh and Sean Dyche, I mean, and I think that's that's what we're looking at. There is, there is a possibility of them both getting relegated. Yeah, you know, and there's also a distinct possibility of Coach Marsh not actually being too Marsh. Leeds are signing like Weston McKenney, you know. Yeah. Leeds are recreating the US MNT midfield. Mm. They've got they've already got Tyler Adams. They're bringing in Weston McKenney from Juventus. Recreating, recreating. Yeah, he went with the American pronunciation. Yeah. Oh, well, the... US MNT. Yeah, US M- Well, US MNT is that's a required uh, definition, I think. So, um, and I have to say, when I saw that uh, US MNT uh, midfield uh, triumvirate in action against Iran, I thought they looked pretty good. Uh, Leeds have only got two out of the three ain't bad 
for Coach Marsh. So, yeah, I still think Everton are, are in trouble because I just don't don't really think... You look at their team, it's like, who, who have they got? Who's going to save them? Like, Calvert-Lewin, in theory, could, but, like, he's always he, he's always missing the games, you know? I mean, Gordon was their big hope last season. I mean, Richarlison bailed him out last season to a large extent, and both of those guys are gone now. So, it's, t- it's tough. It's going to be tough. It's a big test for Daichi and one that he will relish. Your next football podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, just said that like I was a right, former teammate yeah, really, of Daichi. Yeah, really, Daichi. Yeah. <laughs> Went for it there. Listen, I uh, shared a dressing with him at Millwall. Uh, he will relish. He will relish. I mean, I know the lad. Uh, he will not relish. I haven't talked to him in a long number of years, but uh, <laughs> he's a good lad and uh, we wish him the best. Your next football podcast is going to be out on Wednesday. That's for World Service members only. Murph is not Murph is confused himself thanks for listening today thanks Murph thanks Ken thank you thank you, thank you, thank you Ken don't forget to sign up for that next football podcast also for Six Nations preview we're going to be doing during the week US Murph on last night's NFL drama and loads more Second Captain's podcast is part of the Acast creator um, the word there the third one then on his uh, network that's it that's it That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.